0: It's the Messiah Community Radio Talk Show. This is Michael James Lauren, your host. Well, we have such a great guest, two of them, actually. Have you heard of Voice 123? Tanya Zapata and Rolf Feldman, who is the CEO, uh, they join us. Very interesting as far as the whole world got into voiceovers bigger than ever because of this story. Welcome to the program.
1: Hi, Michael. Thank you so much for having us.
0: And by Hamilton Stands, founded in 1883 in Hamilton, Ohio. Hamilton Stands is the oldest music and instrument stand maker in the world. They offer a broad range of sheet music stands, band and orchestra instrument stands, and combo stands, including mic stands, guitar and keyboard stands, and accessories. In fact, the broadcast you're listening to is made using a Hamilton stage rocker mic stand. Visit hamiltonstands.com. And ORLEX Acoustics has one mission. And great audio starts with great gear. And Zoom's 30-year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit zoom-na.com today for recorders, audio interfaces, effects pedals and more. We're Zoom and we're for creators. So, I mean the story never gets old. First of all, it was founded on love, right? I mean you were working where at the uh uh Banana Republic here and your 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 husband uh is a webmaster and you had a thing for voiceovers and can you tell us a story because it's really amazing
1: yeah so it was was actually love uh i mean among or between alex and myself but it was also love with the uh the craft of voice of voiceovers Um, i used to do voiceovers for a long time i i did voiceovers once the company grew and uh you know I. It was so much work that I unfortunately couldn't do any more voiceovers. The company was bigger than, than uh, we expected it to be. But uh, yeah, it was also love for the, for the industry. I used to work at a radio station. Um, and Alex and myself, we had uh, just met recently. Um, when I decided to leave the radio station because I wanted to start doing voiceovers on my own, um, I realized how difficult it was at the time. There was nothing like Voice 123 or or anything you know online that you could just go and, and try to um, you know uh, expose yourself for, for potential jobs, and uh, so it was it was very difficult for me. Uh, we had to pay. There were different kinds of services. There were uh, services that offer your, your voice into like um, set of CD, uh, CDs that, that would send to producers. So that was one, there were like uh, directories, there were other kinds of services online and offline, but they were not really good at uh, promoting the voice actor. And so um, with the experience that Alex had in uh, marketplaces in the travel industry and my experience in the voiceover industry, we decided to to launch Voice123 and that was in 2003.
0: It's really amazing. I mean, the whole world knows about it and uses it. And companies beyond, you know, and talent. will talk about it. But in a way, it was kind of like uh, you come to him and say, "Look, honey, I love to do voiceovers." And he, is he kind of like, "Well, you know, sweetie, uh, let's see if we could solve this problem here." And let's <laughs> see. <laughs> I mean, it sounded just so kind of like, "Okay, he's a problem solver," and and let's just see if we could put together an algorithm and somehow, you know, uh, we'll cut out the middleman and we we can do this. And 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 I mean. It it seems so innocent in the way that it, it all came across, but I mean it was just a, a problem solving. They say, you know, in entrepreneurship, you know, you have a problem to solve. And there it was right there, but little did you know, I suppose, just what a great big problem that was that you solved.
1: Yeah, we were we were just I mean, I think like you said, it was very innocent and we were trying to solve a problem particularly for me at the time, I mean, we were, you know, we didn't know how big the problem was because it wasn't a, an industry that was very popular or that, you know, like you could find so many people doing it at the time. Um, so so yeah, I think, I think you're right. It, It was a very innocent, uh, start. And then we actually did not think how big it was gonna get in us in a very short period of time we we grew from uh i mean from zero to i don't remember exactly the amount of talents that we had but it was over a thousand talents um in within three months wow so it was yeah it was it was incredible the uh, the need was was um obviously there
0: I mean, how amazing was that? I mean, Mark Zuckerberg, he talks about the beginning of Facebook when all of a sudden people started going on the site and then all of a sudden, you know, the first person buys. And uh, then you find, I mean, how how far does this go as far as it's for uh, voice talent, but also companies uh, worldwide? I mean, uh, does every day, even now, does it amaze you just how much of a need that uh, voice one, two, three meets?
1: Um, yeah. It, so one of the things that, that I was very surprised of was, I mean, obviously from the beginning, like it was like one thing after the other that uh, we we was just, you know, it was like a surprise after another surprise. But um, because there was such a need for, for voiceovers, um, companies that couldn't afford to hire voiceovers before, I mean, because the... There was so many people involved in the, in the middle of it that made it so much more expensive started actually using voiceovers. So in a way, we helped also to widen the, uh, the industry to get, you know, other clients that before couldn't afford voice, voiceovers.
0: Um, hmm. Yeah, Were you still plugging away though at voiceovers at the time? Would you say, who needs the voice? You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm in the business part of it now. But I mean, were you still trying to do voiceovers during that period?
1: I was actually I I stopped doing voice voiceovers until um so when when my daughter was born about like that first year was very very difficult for me so that's when I made the decision okay I have to unfortunately let go of, of one of the things that I'm doing um I maybe mean, kids take you know take quite um quite a time from from you mm-hmm. uh and um yeah, so, so that was the reason I, I stopped doing voiceovers. But I actually did voiceovers until fairly recently, about four years.
0: Well, we want to talk about, of course, Voice123. And uh, you have other ventures as well. And your husband, we want to talk about. Rolf Feldman, who is the CEO right now. And he goes by Grof. Is that uh, how you're supposed to say it, right?
2: That, that would be perfect. But it actually, it's Rolf without the G. So oh. no, it, my mom would <laughs> pronounce it like Rolf. So Rolf. Uh, Scandinavian uh, ex- uh, pronunciation I would say
0: you're a young man you have a very big role at the voice one two three being the CEO and so can you tell us a little bit about your background and about some of the challenges you face every day
2: yeah sure so th- I would say the biggest connection and I actually started thinking about that recently for me with the voiceover industry is that I was molded in the same art form but from a different perspective so I got an education as an historian, so I fell in love with the art of storytelling uh, from a very early age. And then um, after several years of of, um, being employed in the Netherlands, I started traveling and arrived to another part of the world, all the way into uh, Colombia, where I got the the privilege to meet with Tanya and with Alexander. And I think it's one of the uh, most serendipitous moments in my life, but um, two years, Two and a half years later, they they allowed me the chance to be the CEO of the company, and I would say one of the biggest challenges that we face as a company is to set to push forward that same mindset that Alexander and Tanya had. So to solve the problems for the industry, to see what is the next frontier and what is the next problem that the industry is facing and that we can overcome for our users. Uh, It started off with thousands. It's now hundreds of thousands. And we feel the obligations to serve their community and to help them uh, push forward. So it's actually in our mission. So our mission is to craft the future of the voiceover industry. And that's something that we have in the back of our mind at a constant decision, every decision that we make.
0: Well, it makes sense. And Tanya, I, you know, I'm, one of your roles, I'm sure, still is, uh, is finding the talent. And a and talent in Rolf, uh, what did you see in him? I mean, because getting the best talent in, at the helm, uh, what are some of the qualities you, you liked about him and making him CEO?
1: Oh, that's a very good question. Um,
2: I like that well, question as well.
0: Yeah. <laughs> what about what about that raise that he's getting? I'm just kidding. Just
1: going <laughs> to ask it. Fred it right when we finish. <laughs> um, so we have we have a, a very. Um, Specific set of, of things that we look for when when we hire anyone in the company actually. Um, so one of them is um, we love to hire people that are entrepreneurial mind, minded. Yes. Uh, so n- not necessarily that that have have um, you know try to set up a company before, but but actually has the mindset of or have the mindset of it, uh, meaning they are very eager to, you know, to, to solve issues, to, to find, you know, how to do things, to be very, very independent. Um, so that's, that's, um, yeah, those are, you know, like on a very higher level, the, the things that we saw on Rolf and and that we actually look for in, in the people that, that we hired. And, uh, well, for the CEO role, you know, there are other things like strategic, um, ability to think strategically, um, to also see the potential of things even before they're actually sort of, you know, done or, or to, to see where we can, you know, go next.
0: I I read Um, something about Google. I think that they interviewed at the beginning, like 16 times, you know, to find, you didn't have to interview him 16 times though, before you hired him, right?
1: Oh, for Rolf? Yeah. I'm not sure. Rolf, (laughs) how many interviews did you have?
2: Well, uh, Official interviews, I think about, about seven to ten. And so it is a, really, it really a thorough, is that much. Oh, wow, quite a thorough process. But I think it's more of the relationship that you build together. So Tanya and I, uh, through several projects, got to work together, and for me and Alex as well. So I think it's more of the bond you build together, and like Tanya said, the connection that you have. And the yeah, entrep- the entrepreneur part is something um, that we I want to emphasize that we really look for in the company, and, and sometimes you really strike luck because. If you see at the very origin of Voice123, it's very rare to find uh, good entrepreneurs, but to find two entrepreneurs in the same family is kind of uh, almost impossible. And that's, that's at the core foundation of, of, of Voice123.
0: Yeah, and getting back to when you talk about the innocence of it, I mean, I like how at the beginning, and this is cutting edge stuff, you have to remember, no one else did this before, Voice123, okay? And so and you guys are like the biggest game in town. So, but at first, it was kind of you putting your heads together, you know, Tanya, Alex, and it, you know, why are we the first ones here? Did we miss something? Or it's kind of like, how could, how did we, you know, I mean, some of the things that you, you must have thought about is that uh, how could no one have thought about this before? What an exciting moment that must have been when you realize that you're the first one to do this.
1: Well, yeah. <laughs> it was that we actually thought that for a very long time. And I was like, are, it, we can't believe that any that no one thought about this before. Um Yeah, I I think that for the longest time, we were very, um, I don't know how to describe it. but Can't um,
0: believe the luck, right? (laughs) Yeah,
1: I mean, like, that, also, we were very shy about, you know, speaking about what we have done or what we have achieved, because, I mean, we truly couldn't believe that, you know, like, we were the first ones doing this.
0: I mean, absolutely. I mean, and then Rolf, I mean, when you, when you take this type of stewardship, you know, at the helm of being the CEO of Voice123, I mean, uh, being a historian, is that, is that the perfect fit that you go back and see where the trends were and you always have to look where the trends are headed and things like that? And how do you uh, gear up for that?
2: I like that question a lot. I think, I think it does help. I think when you're an historian, you have time means time is a different uh, concept for an historian because you think in longer time spans so you're always um, think thinking more out of the box when you go to the future because it's a longer time span and when you go back you realize where you come from so you take those lessons as well and it's one of the fun things for being uh, when being in voice in on three is that I'm, I'm constantly meeting with both our clients and our voice actors and you see their personal history and their personal story like people like Tanya said that have grown with us now that we've grown to thousands of users you see that production houses or voice actors suddenly have a client base all over the world because of voice on two, Three. so I think that that longer narrative really helps and it's and it's an interesting way of looking at a company that we feel is still very young young but also already has had such an impact on so many individuals all around the world
0: uh, Tanya how do you keep the competitive juices flowing with something like this? Because eventually, you know, at first you're the first one to do it and to execute it and be successful. But did you like the business aspect of it? Does it get kind of tough?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, it definitely gets tough. Uh, there are a lot of things that you don't, as you start, you're start, starting up, you don't realize. Um, as you get bigger, things get a little more complex than than they uh, they used to be. But I think that you adapt. Uh, I mean, like nothing, you you don't find issues that you cannot handle. Um, so you know, like little by little, you start sort of you know being able to to um, to solve those you know those those issues or those problems, and and you move forward. But um, in terms of competition. I mean, we have we have several competitors, and I think our first competitor um, launched about a year after we launched. Mm. Um, it was a very very similar website to what we have built, um, and uh, I mean, they're I think they're the they're they're doing pretty well right now. I think that competition is is actually really good because it means that the industry is strong and that there is enough space. For more, you know, players to be in it, and it also keeps mm-hmm. you on your toes. It keeps you, you know, um, sort of with that mindset of okay, I can't, I can't lose because you know, the competition is going to take over. Uh, what I, what we never do is actually worry about the competition um, solely. We really want to focus on making sure that what we create and what we build and what we improve is for the benefit of our customers and our clients which are the voice actors and also you know their clients but if one of the sides of the marketplace is not happy the other one is not going to be either.
0: Hmm. And when you do reviews for Voice123, you see ethically that, you know, people are very happy in the way that you run the company. And Rolf, you know, Veldman, as CEO as well, the way that you've uh, grown this because they feel safe and comfortable with it and fair. And uh, so you get a lot of good reviews.
1: Oh, <laughs> that's wonderful to hear. Well, I mean, we we play on a very basic, you know, on a very basic um ethical way is, you know, like if we wouldn't like to, you know, um, we, if we would like to be respected as clients, you know, in other places that we do business with, um, we do the same thing for ours. We want to make sure that our clients, for us, our clients are the most important thing. Um, and so, yeah, we, that's, you know, that's how we play by we well, don't want to abuse that relationship that we have with them uh we want to make sure that the, they find the product good and that it's profiting them as well so so yeah
0: what's amazing is yes Ralph.
2: yeah i would like to build on that that last part because at the very essence where we are a platform uh, that serves a community of creative people and when Creative people deliver the best work, and it means both the creators uh, with the idea, the clients, and then the voice actors uh, during that idea into a voice. They work best when the relationship is healthy Mm -hmm. and when the relationship is good. So that's something that we try to do on the platform, and we feel that concepts of fairness and of transparency aid to that. So our goal is, is is plural. It has multiple uh, objectives. We don't only want to connect people. We want to make sure that uh, ideas get the right voice. And to do that, we, we must be fair and we must be transparent. That's one of our core drives is to get that feeling that we have that serves the community to put that in the technology that we build. So it's, it's what I totally agree with Tanya and it's something that we try to put in every decision that we make in the company.
0: One of the different shifts that you see, of course, you know, remember Blockbuster? <laughs> It's like, you know, if you ever see an empty store, you go rural town, they still have one. But you know, so it's changed to to obviously Netflix, uh, as far as the difference in in the streaming, they were ahead of the curve, you know, Uh, Steve Jobs, uh, people never thought in a million years that their music would be through, you know, iTunes. And here comes uh, Tanya. Sapata, you know and her husband Alex and so I mean and this is really it's just in the same sent- sentence as far as no one ever thought in a million years that it would go that direction so we'll talk about some of the the love that you get people make a living doing this from from voice one two three and then some of the you mentioned some of the then you know, change you get a little bit of hate too because people don't like change so I mean can you see things changing again I mean when you think about that do you let your mind kind of say hey wait a minute you know will it be like this forever is this the is or will a voiceover be delivered in a different way
2: i mean especially in in the states i feel a lot of people already have an alexander house right so there's voice is constantly uh, changing and in our company we think in different time frames and again that's part of the historian view, I would say, is that we think what happens in the next 50 years, what happens in the next five years, what happens the next year? And one would have to think that in the next 50 years, there will be a technology that will be so amazing that it might create a voice on its own. So how do we incorporate that to serve the community? So we're constantly thinking, what is the next thing? What is the next technology that can help uh, improve the creative side of the platform even further. So yeah, we it's something that's constantly on the back of our mind. And we take the inspiration from Alex and Tanya that we should be humble, but we should also be confident that we are doing the right thing and that we can move forward with the ideas that we have.
0: Yes. Tanya, if we were, you know, writing a movie about your life and any film producers out there, you know, uh, I was going to say, could you take us, though, as far as behind the scenes from the very beginning and just kind of the short version, how your life changed with your husband? I mean, from where you were, you were working at Banana Republic and management, all kinds of crazy hours. And this explodes, you know, voice one, two, three. Take us behind the scenes in that little bit of a journey and uh, some of the things you experienced along the way.
1: Oh, my gosh. Um,
0: this is you know, your life. You know, it's like that yeah. show.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we were li- so I was actually not doing management at Banana Republic. I was a sales associate. So it was like, you know, like the basic, you know, um, um, sort of uh, job that you can have at retail uh, or the, you know, uh, yeah, not not qualified role.
0: You could have done uh, it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but um, we were living in a 400 square area feet um studio apartment in flushing new york when mm. we launched uh voice one two three we used to have so at the beginning because we we there was nothing that we could use to to hold the server where people were recording the voice the voices at the beginning so right at the beginning we had to create a little plug where people could actually record using their headsets to actually send that demo to the clients Um, So at the beginning, you know, like using MP3 or like this kind of audios was really difficult, Um, you know, like uploading, downloading, those Mm -hmm. kinds of things. So we we recreated this little plugin that people were using to do the online castings. Uh, And so we had that server at home. It was a small computer that was plugged. um, And... One of the funny things that happened is that it was flogged to one of those, you know, like, um, switch switches that you know, like for the lamps that you can Mm. switch on and off uh, on the wall. Well, one day, Alex's sister was visiting us. Um, and, um, for some reason, she thought that was the light and she turned it off. And we were waiting for her at no. our restaurant. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So when she told us, Alex freaked out and he and he just ran because oh. the server was off. So if, if anyone here is listening and was with us from the very beginning, I'm sorry. That <laughs> <laughs> if you're in the middle of our recording <laughs> and you couldn't save that recording. But, um, you know, it's like one of those things that happen when you're starting up, you know, it's like uh you do what you can with the with the means that you have so um, so that's you know sort of like a funny story about the beginnings but yeah i mean we started with um some savings that we had um alex was was working on other things at the time i was also working at Re- banana republic when the site started to grow you know when we started having having voiceover talents, and when we started having also clients posting their projects, I decided to quit Banana Republic so, to focus solely on the on the company. Smart move. Uh, yeah, I was doing everything. Um, I was doing customer service. I was, you know, making sure that the job posts were properly um, posted. I was I was actually doing all of the quality um, assessment for the for the. Um, the casting calls, the the demos that people were were sending um because it was all manual at the time. We don't we didn't have anything as automatic as we have right now.
0: It's really amazing. I mean, I I'm, I'm glad you shared that. And Ralph, uh, when you look at your roles and responsibilities, you know, taking it from there, I I mean you're under, uh, people are, well, you're under them, right? You're under Alex and, and, and Tanya, but well, how do you have to manage? Do you micromanage people? How do you spend your day-to-day activities? And, uh, you know, you have to look for talent every day too.
2: Yes, I would say it's, it's the biggest part of my role that is to find the, the next role in this case or to constantly look for talent. Uh, I don't like to micromanage. What I do think is important that uh, I, like Tanya did in the past, know every aspect of the company so that i do customer service that i do uh, sit with the engineers and then do work on marketing so i think knowledge of what's happening in the company is extremely important and going from the ground up that you're uh, experiencing every single process and and facet of the company but then like you said my main goal is to find talent and and set out and like tanya said to set out the strategy of what's coming next and then trust everybody in the team to um, to execute as, as best as they can, and give them the creative freedom to, to find their best self. Because we take that, again, the, the idea that we put on a platform about transparency, trust, and, and a sort of relationship building, we put that in a company as well. It's the way that we want to work together. We actually build our entire um, business culture around the voiceover industry. As, as you know, a lot of voice actors work from home. For me, I have the same commute. I walk down from my room, pretend to take on pants and and then go to work because we all work from home <laughs> and we connect from different parts of the world. So we take that entire uh, feel from the voiceover industry and we put that into our own company. How, how
0: different and similar is this as far as your role as the CEO of Voice123 than some of the other things that you've done?
2: It is revolutionary different. First of all, I, I now go to work, uh, like I said, uh, with a very short comu- commute and then I speak to a team On a day-to-day basis from eight different kind of countries and i get to experience people like yesterday i was on a talk with someone from india and then uh, i moved to the next meeting and i speak to someone in the united states like we're having a global impact and and that that sense of being able to improve people's lives on a daily basis i I mean i cannot find anything more gratifying and more humbling to do on a day-to-day basis and it's the it's the challenge of my lifetime. So yeah, I'm very excited to be here.
0: Yeah, and people depend on you. That's for sure. Voice one, two, three. I mean, companies and marketing agencies and voice talent, and the list goes on. And and Tanya, I mean, when you do something like this and you create something, you know, so revolutionary, amazing. Uh, it, it's like a child. But when do you begin to kind of say? there are other creative things I'd like to do as well. Because, you know, we'd like you to tell us there are other endeavors that you have as well, but uh, was it hard to let go of that?
1: Oh, it was very hard. It was very hard. Um, yeah, well, um, I think, and I, and I think in a way, I have never, you know, like I never you know, like that sense of, this is my child, uh, will never go away because it's like, I don't know if you have kids or you have many kids. I only have one, one daughter, but I, I have heard this from parents that have more than, you know, like that more than one kid is like, you know, like there's something about your first kid, you know, it was your first experience with pregnancy, with, uh, um, parenthood. So it's the it's sort of like the same feeling with voice one two three it was you know it was my first experience building a company launching a company scaling a company um you know it was it was some of the toughest the toughest lessons that I have had in terms of leading people uh it's you know it was through voice one two three so I think it's always going to have a very special um place in in my heart and in my mind um I think that um, one of the reasons for, you know, starting other companies, besides obviously wanting to, to explore other areas, um, was to, Alex and, and I, we have been working together for a long time and we're married. So I think we needed a little breather <laughs> from <laughs> from working together.
0: we <laughs> um, so, married still, yeah.
1: Yeah. And, um, so that's what, that was one of the reasons, um, for me to, to, you know, stop executing in the company. Um, and now I am working on building a new, a new company that it's related to kids, which is, uh, another passion of mine. Um, it's education. So what I'm building is an app that provides developmental activities for parents to do face to face with children. So we want to um, we want to help parents, um, a spend a little more time with the kids, um, because I know it's hard it's hard to do things with your kids when you are working, you know, when you have busy lives and especially people in the cities have particularly busy lives. So, um, yeah, basically we just want to give them the tools for them to be able to spend time with their kids playing fun games, form fun and short games.
0: Well, I knew I was going to bond with you because you mentioned about ADHD, something you were candid that you had. And I have that, of course, and uh, probably the hyperactivity, you know. And uh, But uh, I thought that was pretty cool that you were very forthright about that, that if you knew certain things about it, how to manage it. And so you seem to, you're into neuroscience and you care about kids. So yes. obviously the human brain and psychology gets, you're kind of deep, aren't you?
1: Well, so... Um I actually discovered that I had ADHD somewhat late in my life. Um I was never diagnosed as a kid. I I, I grew up in Colombia. I moved to the US when I was 18. I have been in the US actually most of my life. But, you know, it's what, one one of those things that a when I was growing up it wasn't as I guess as, um it wasn't a thing, you know, like to diagnose kids of, you know, for mm-hmm. um um um, learning disorders. Um, so, so I wasn't. I was never diagnosed, um, but I always had. Um, I don't want to say problems, but definitely things going on that made it difficult for me. You know, like focus on on projects that were uh, long term. Um, Reading was definitely one of my issues. I love reading because um, I love learning and I love, but it was hard for me to read certain things. Um, I couldn't focus for, you know, for a long time. So, um, you know, it was like this little things that make my little, my life a little more difficult. So I finally ended up going to a uh, psychiatrist and he made this, you know, fancy test with, you know, like one of those... Um, neurotransmitters
0: mm-hmm. transmitters
1: that they put in your head. And I was doing all sorts of you know, uh, cognitive things. And then he said like, yeah, your brain functions just like one, you know, a, a person with ADHD. Um, so anyway, when I learned that, it was sort of like, a, oh my gosh, okay, now I understand so many things.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I believe I you. Yeah, I, anyone who's listening, of course, they know they have ADHD. They know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And it was, it was sort of like a relief um, knowing that, I, you know, like that what I had and that now I could, you know, just start um, making like, you know, like different shifts in my life and doing certain things in a certain way. So, so it wasn't a burden to, you know, to me. And, um, and since then I've been like fascinated with things that are related to, you know, brain development, how you can actually retrain your brain. Um, And, yeah, the fact that the brain is actually, that you can rewire your brain. You can always retrain your brain. Um, (laughs) Yep,
0: That's that's the way to do it, you know, through neuroscience. You know, my parents, they had a couple of choice words in order to snap me out of this ADHD. You know, you're stupid, you're dumb, you're slow. That doesn't work, you know. (laughs) Yeah. I, I would lo- I'd love to be hooked up to, uh, you know, the, uh, and find out what's going on under the hood. And um, so, uh, Rolf, I want to ask you a question. If you had a look at the um, totality of, of Voice one two three and uh, you being a historian, uh, where, would, where would that fit in history as far as if you can make, an I guess, an allegory or a metaphor? Or I hope I'm using the right words. But uh, as a historian, how do you, how do you look at, at this as far as the impact it's had on so many people?
2: I love that question. I've never been asked that one. That's uh, that, that, that's, that's great. So how would what would a, a good, compelling metaphor be in this case? Because I do believe uh, that the birth of Voice123 and, and what Tanya and Alex created so many years ago have, has, has had such an impact on the industry itself. Uh, like Tanya said, out of Voice123, many different things came in terms of competitors, in terms of how the industry functions right now. I would actually compare it in the same way that, that, that you did and compare it to the, the bigger uh, tech companies like Facebook that just started mm-hmm. solving their own problem and then basically through smart entrepreneurship stumbled into this great, this great company that it is today and the impact that it has today on so many people around the world. So I think you actually struck it right and that we don't have to go that far back. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> we, can go, we can go back to, to companies like Facebook where, where they had an impact. Uh, yeah, I, I was simple, just hoping, so,
0: sorry. I, I was hoping you wouldn't take us back to the industrial revolution or something. Yeah, you know?
2: I was while I was, this, I was thinking, can I connect it to the Mayans and with their way they <laughs> did math and predict yeah. the future? But that would have gone overboard. Oh, my <laughs> goodness!
0: Well, you have a lot to do, and you're doing a great job. And just a, one last question, if you would, you know, uh, when it comes to well, I'm a big fan, okay, of um, Shark Tank with Mark Cuban and Lori Greener and, and all that. And your husband, he's, he's in Shark Tank, Colombia, is he not?
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he became a personality.
0: <laughs> wow. I mean, I thought that was, I said, look, honey, look, you know, I'm telling my wife. I mean, that's, um, does it have the same excitement? I'm sure the show is popular everywhere.
1: The show is very popular in Colombia. He's actually one of the most popular sharks in the show. Uh, um, it's also popular. I think they're also showing it in Mexico and Argentina. So, so he gets a lot of fans from from different countries. I think it's, it, it has been. I mean, it has been fun. Um, it has been fun to see a that uh, people in Colombia are so interested in entrepreneurship and there are great ideas coming to the show. Um, he invested, uh, in, in, in several, um, companies. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been fun. He's, he's loving it. He's having a great time being a shark.
0: I was going to say that that show is amazing. Is he like a good shark or bad shark? Is he, is he, uh, the one that, that, uh, you know, lifts people up like Lori Greener or is he, is he, is he tough on people or what is he like?
1: I think, I think he's, he's definitely not a bat shark or a mean shark. Uh, he's assertive. He's assertive in certain things, but he's not mean at all. Um, and I, th- and I think that's why he has, uh, and Ralph maybe, uh, since he's actually living in Colombia, he probably sees more, you know, people's reaction. But um, I, I feel that that's one of the reasons why he is so popular is that, you know, like, There is this kind of way of being assertive or not assertive, but um, sincere with people without being mean. Um, So I think he always gives pretty good feedback, feedback that is uh, actionable for people. So, yeah, I think I think he's doing a great job.
0: (laughs) Well, lastly, when they say that, you know, mental health is having choices. In life, you know, in your life, Tanya has afforded you to be a, a full-time entrepreneur and come up. I mean, how, how great is it to have that kind of freedom? It could have been very different.
1: Yes. Um, on the other hand, I think that people tend to think that um, entrepreneurship is, you know, oh, you're your your own boss and blah blah blah. I think it's actually a lot harder than than people think. Um, sometimes, sometimes I actually, you know. You know, like when, when you have one of those hard days, you're like, oh, why is it that I'm not employed, <laughs> <laughs> that I can just go home and somebody <laughs> else is solving those issues? <laughs> um, it's hard. I mean, it's it's hard. And, and I think that um, you, you required a lot of um, resilience and a lot of um, what will be the word um, wanting to you know like go back every day and and swim upstream especially mm-hmm. when you're starting up I think especially when you're starting up it's really an upstream swim you're you're doing things that um I mean you're, you're trying to make sure that people find what you do exciting and they want to buy it if it's a product for example um and that's that's uh it's hard i mean it it, it requires a lot from you
0: and Rolf, if you had to answer that question too that you would like the freedom at the helm of voice one two three to do what
2: if i would have the f- if what you could
0: if you could say i need freedom i need freedom in in my job to do what how would you want that kind of freedom or uh the space to do what and to do the best job you can at voice one two three
2: I, I, I already feel that I have that freedom. Uh, so if I would have more freedom to do whatever uh, I want with Voice One to 3, I would make it more known. I've, I feel that um, there's a story here that has been told to a, a group of people, but I think the story of, of Tanya and Alex and what Voice One 3 has become uh, could be a role model for a lot of companies. And I feel that the way that we do business, like I said, in a fair and transparent way, should be something that we should share with the rest of the world. So I, I would actually to make that. make it known uh, how you conduct business in a, in a, in a fair, fair manner while not only serving your own needs. And I think that's the drive that we have at Voice On the 3. And if I listen to Tanya talk about Achilles, she has the same, the same core internal drive. And that's, I think that connects to that entrepreneurial part is that you're, you're, you're passionate about a problem that you're solving not only for yourself but for other people. I feel yeah. that should be at the core of a lot of companies.
0: And they should make a movie out of it. You know what the name of the movie would be? <laughs> what? What would Voice be? One, Two, Three. Voice there <laughs> right there, Tanya Zapata, and she's the co-founder of Voice One Two Three. People know all, it's the big one right there—the big kahuna, that—that uh, that Voice One Two Three Industries, uh, marketing agencies, uh, PR firms, companies nationwide and worldwide, and talents uh, as well. If you're a voiceover artist, you know. A voice one, two, three, and Rolf Veldman has joined us. He's the CEO. Uh, thank you so much for sharing. It's people really to know what goes on behind the scenes, but uh, I think it's great and we appreciate both of you being on the program.
1: Thank you so much, Michael, for inviting us. This was so much fun. It was great yeah. uh, to share. Uh-huh.
2: No, thank you so much, Michael. It was a fun experience.
0: Our sponsors with over 90 years' experience in developing audio electronics, Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. And by Hamilton Stands, founded in 1883 in Hamilton, Ohio. Hamilton Stands is the oldest music and instrument stand maker in the world. They offer a broad range of sheet music stands, band and orchestra instrument stands, and combo stands, including mic stands, guitar and keyboard stands, and accessories. In fact, the broadcast you're listening to is made using a Hamilton Stage Rocker mic stand. Visit HamiltonStands.com. And Auralex Acoustics has one mission, to make you sound your best. Thousands of satisfied Orlex customers have experienced improved acoustics, along with free expert advice, total sound control products from Auralex. Enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Orlex.com for more information.